Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. God is good. Thanks, worship team, for leading us in worship. We're going to be talking about how to have healthy relationships. And this is something that we all need in every area of our life. It actually will affect absolutely every area of your life. Um, It'll work in your employment. It'll work at home, your family, your marriage, raising children, friends. Every, Every one of us need to learn about relationships. When I think about relationships, they will make or break us. If we know how to have relationships or not. Um, you know, God made Adam perfect. God, think about God created Adam magnificently perfect without sin, without sin, totally one with God. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. So even, even without sin, he knew that man needed relationships. So there's a deep need in every one of us to relate and to connect with each other. Because God created us to be able to connect Relation, relationally, I, I, like, I like this because, um, you know, the Beatitudes, if the devil had Beatitudes, so this is the devil's Beatitudes, it's all about relationships. If the devil had Beatitudes, this is how it read. Cursed are the troublemakers, they shall be called my children. Cursed are the complainers, I'm all ears for them. Cursed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division. That pleases me. Cursed are those who are easily offended, for they shall soon get angry and quit. Cursed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and sister, for they shall be with me forever. That's the devil's twisting of Jesus' beatitude. Because it's all about relationships. Even the beatitudes, it's about relationships. Working together, living together. You know, when you think about relationships, your highest high in life and your lowest low in life has something to do with relationships. Just think about it for a moment. Your highest high or your lowest low. Your lowest low usually is a, you lose a loved one. Or there's a, a divorce or a breakup or a relational breakup. Your, low, your highest high in life and your lowest low in life has always got to do with relationships. Because relationships everything. When you think about why we, God put us here, besides our relationship with God... What's the, the, the two commandments? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So relationships is so, so vital to us, the way we do relationships. I, I really believe you rise or you can fall based on how you do relationships. I've seen people that are highly gifted, highly, highly um, skilled, talented, great talent, great skill, but they've always sabotaged their opportunity because they didn't know how to do relationships. Because, they, they, because relationships got to do with character. It's got to do with integrity. It's got to do with your heart. Uh, when I think about relationships, when I think about how to have a healthy relationship, it's very connected to my identity. Do I know who I am? Do I know how much I'm valued? It's got to do with my um, uh, love, being loved or not feeling loved. So if I've got a healthy heart, I'm going to know how to have healthy relationships. So it's got to do with your heart. It's got to do with your character, your integrity. So it's really, really important that we do relationships well. And I do believe when you do have good relationships, it'll open up doors for great opportunities. Um, Proverbs 4 verse 20 talks about, Above all things, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. 
So ultimately, if relationships got to do about hearts, if my heart gets poisoned, if I allow offense to get in or negativity to get in my heart, it's going to affect my relationships. So I says, above all things, guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. We want to have healthy relationships, not just in the life of, not, in, not just in our church, because this is where it starts. This is family. The family of God. God wants us to know how to have relationships, but also in workplace, at home, in families. We, we need to know how to do relationships well. Um, I thought to myself the other day, I, I thought to myself, what would I say to my younger self? Like, I'm 51 years young right now, very young man. But what would I say to my 22-year-old self that started the church? Like, what would I say? And I thought, I'd say a lot of things, but one of the things I'd say is just, just, just trust God, be faithful, because He would never fail His word. In other words, keep doing what you know to do, knowing God will be faithful and He'll come through on His promises. Like, I would say that to my younger self. and to be, be secure. Don't, don't try to do it in your own strength. Don't try to do it in your own self, your own self-effort, because God knows it'll come through. Because like I've seen Him come through so many times now, so I've got faith to say that. I've seen, but I know in those times, I, I tried a lot in my own strength, my own energy. But you learn to let go, you learn to die to yourself, and you say, God, I trust you. It's got a lot to do with how you see God, is how you're going to deal with relationships. How we, how we view ourselves will determine how we view God. Um, when, I, when, I, when I think about that, I think, what's the use of winning the whole world and lose your own family? Lose your own your relationship with your wife or your children. So you've got to, like, it's, it's, it's everything. It's every, life needs to be balanced when it's, through God's eyes. So what, like, you know, a picture of a prosperous man to me is everything. The whole package. It's not what the world thinks is prosperous. What the world thinks is successful. But what does God view as successful? What does God view as prosperous? Because you're going to have all the money in the world. That's what the world will see. Well, he's successful. He's got all the money in the world. But if he loses his wife to another man, he's not a picture of a prosperous, successful person. His heart's broken because he's lost his marriage. He lost the love of his life. Or, or you can have an amazing marriage and you can have a good relationship with God, but you might lose your kids to drugs or to suicide or to some gang. So you, someone that you love so dearly is breaking your heart. It's not a picture of a successful man. So, so God's looking at everything. So relationships, how to do relationships keeps everything healthy. Every area of our life. All right, so how do we do this? I think when I think about relationships, I think it's an art. In other words, it's not a proper definition, proper, this is the definition of uh, the skill of relationships. If you know the skill, then you know how to have healthy relationships. I don't believe it's just a skill because it's connected to your heart, remember? It's connected, you can know the, the skill, you can know the know-how, I know what to do in relationships to make it healthy and still mess it up because of your heart because it's got more, more to do with who you are. Your heart and attitudes and character and offense or, or, or lack thereof. And so it, it is an art form because not all sizes fits everything. So you think, oh, this is what I do with this relationship, but it's going to be different to somebody else and with somebody else. It, it really is an art form, if, if you understand what I mean by art form. It will not just, these are the rules, and these rules fit everything. It doesn't work that way. Because it's, you've got to have relationships out of love, and it comes out of faith. Faith and trust and all those things. So number one thing, I'm going to go through a few things, but the number one thing about relationships, you, you need to see, this is, this is it. Your value of relationships will determine how you have relationships. 
So if your value of relationships down here, you won't invest time, you won't give it time, you won't put effort into it. So when a relationship goes wrong, you just, you, if you value relationships down here, you go, well, it's not worth it. I'm not going to give the effort to it. Let it go. I lose that person. So you'll end up having surface relationships of everybody and you just get so deep and eventually just, oh, don't worry about that one either. I don't care because you, you don't value relationships. And you just have one relationship to another relationship to another relationship because you just don't, you don't think it's worth the effort to work through a relationship because your value of relationships is very, very low. So it's important to have the value of relationships where God places it. Because what does Jesus say? Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is also. So where my heart is, that's where my treasure is. Well, what I treasure is where my heart is. The word treasure means what I value. So what I value, that's where my heart is. If I don't value relationships, I won't put my heart into it. I won't put my effort into it. I won't put my, my time into it, my energy into it. I won't even try to work through it because my heart's not in it because I don't value it. So valuing relationships is the first step. Seeing that, you know, it's, it's healthy to work on relationships. Or should we just go from one to another, to another, to another, to another? And I'm talking about friends as well, not just boyfriend or girlfriend. So valuing your relationships is so, so important because you're going to pour in your time into it. You know, I've heard this, and I'm sure you've heard this too, that if you ask people on their deathbed, where they live their life, they're in their 90s, they're about to die, they're about to go, and you ask them the question, what would you do different? What one thing would you do different if you can live your life all over again? They reckon the number one thing, I can tell you what the number one thing is, but this is what they didn't say. I, I wish I could have just spent more time at the office. I would have made more money. I should have stayed back an extra hours and made a bit more money and get more material wealth. They would never have thought that. It doesn't come up to them. The first thing is regret in relationships. I should have spent more time with my loved ones. That's the number one thing that comes up when you ask them that question. The regret isn't, I should have made more money, buy bigger houses or buy more material things. But it was always, I should have spent more time with the ones I love. Because relationships is valuable. It's really, really important in life. So number two is loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with your strength. Because when you do love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, it brings wholeness to you. When you're in love with the one who is love, and you, you have a relationship with Him. He fills you with love, which in turn helps you have healthy relationships. So this is really, really important. It should be num this is number one in our list. In other words, if I, have a, if I maintain my relationship with God in a good way, I'm going to have healthy relationships. That's why Jesus said it that way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. They go hand in hand. When you love God, you will love your neighbor properly. You know, I really believe it's like this. If, if a tree that's supposed to produce fruit is withered, it has had no root, no, no water uh, come into the root system for, say, let's say months and months and months. It's dried up, no, no, no sunlight anymore. They build buildings all around it. It's half dead, half sick, half withered. And now if I say to that tree, what's wrong with you? Why can't you produce fruit? What's wrong with you? Now that tree cannot produce fruit unless something changes. You can't say, you just got to produce fruit. Something has to change. You've got to get water to it and you've got to get sunlight to it for it to become healthy. And to me, that's the relationship between us and God. So we're trying to say, you know, have healthy relationships. Well, you're not going to have it if you don't have a connection with God. Because you were created to have the river of life and the son of his presence. 
We were created to have water and His presence. If we have connection with God, we're going to have healthy relationships. So in other words, you can't think in your mind, I'm, going to, I'm just going to learn the skill. I'm going to learn, you know, just to, I'm going to know the personality tricks, read all the books on um, how to make friends and influence people and all the amazing books that will help you, give you the tips, that, the ideas. You know what? If you don't have this relationship with God intimately, you won't know how to have healthy relationships. It helps massively. I can't explain how high it's on the list. All right, I'm going to move a bit quicker. I'm going to move quick on purpose. Number three. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's really important. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means you must love yourself. That part is you value yourself. If I don't love myself and value who I am, I actually won't love others. I won't value others. Because the way I I view myself, if I see myself as, if I've been neglected, if I've been abused, if I've been uh, rejected all my life and I never received love from my mom or dad, I didn't have intimacy with them, I didn't have relationship with them and they neglected me, rejected me and I just got this emptiness inside of me and I have a a, a real lack of self-worth and I think I'm unworthy and I think uh, my parents didn't love me so I didn't get my, my value and my worth from them. So if I think I'm very unworthy, when someone wants to love me, I actually push them away. When someone wants to befriend me and, and, and walk into intimacy, I actually push intimacy away because I don't know intimacy. Does that make sense? My, my dad, um, bless his heart, he, he did his absolute best to, to love me, but my dad didn't have a good close relationship with his dad. So he didn't know how to have an intimate relationship with me. Our, our, our closest intimate relationship to some degree was watching the TV and, ma- and making a few statements with one another, watching a program. All around the dinner table, every now and then he, he told us a story. Very, very rarely. So we didn't have a close, intimate relationship. And it's not, he just didn't, he didn't receive it from his father. So he didn't know how to give it to his children. And so if I walk around, I don't feel valued, then I'm not going to be able to value others. You give the value to others of how you actually value yourself. That's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem is if we don't love ourselves, we cannot love others. You know what I mean by loving yourself? It's, it's, it's a value. I'm talking about value, valuing who you are before God. I'm not talking about putting ourselves in front of other people and that we, you know, we become number one to every, in everything we do. Not, not, not that at all. All right. Number three, we, we, if we're going to have good, healthy relationships, we need to invest time in our relationships. Invest time in our relationship. Quality time. This is organic depending on the seasons you go through. The question will be if you're married or if you've got a relationship, well, how much time do we need to spend time together? Well, there's no right formula. There's no, remember, it's an art. There's no method. What's, you, know, you can't say this is, if you're married, uh, you know, for one year, this is how much time you get. If you get five years, it, it's, everyone's different. Same with relationships with friends. Everything's different. You just got to be sensitive and open and, understand, and communicate, communication lines open and change with the seasons. Depending on what season you're at, you will need more time. And if other times, you know, it depends on your faith, your trust, your relationship, what you go through. It's all, it's all dependent on a lot of things. But communication is the air we breathe. And investing time with one another is vital. We have to make time. You know, they did a, a, a school survey for children. 1,500 school children in a national study were asked what they thought made a happy family. They didn't list things like money or cars. The number one answer was doing things together. The number one answer that the children said, what makes a happy family is doing things together. They didn't say play, you know, PlayStation, 
Xbox, uh, having things or a car or, or you know, whatever, or money. It's actually doing things together. Because you show value to someone when you actually go watch them play footy or you go watch them do their sport or their hobby. Children will not forget meaningful one-on-one time. Now, when I talk about investing time with one another, it's in every area, isn't it? It's in marriage, it's in children, raising kids, it's in friendship, it's in relationship. Um, a man named Charles Francis Adams kept a diary. This really touches my heart. One day he wrote, went fishing with my son today, wasted. Uh, sorry, day wasted. On the same date, Charles' son, Brooke Adams, noted in his own diary, Went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. The father viewed it as a wasted day because it wasn't productive for his business and his work. Went fishing with my son today, day wasted. But his son wrote in his diary, the most wonderful day of my life. Spending time with relationships is so vital. Investing time into those relationships. I believe it's the air we breathe. Some, some relationships are suffocating because they don't spend time with one another. It's easy when you're courting. It's easy when you're, you know, you're in love and you're dating and you've got all the time in the world and you just do all the beautiful times and dates and go out. But when you get married and now you've got a mortgage and now you've got children and they've got to go dancing, they've got to go piano lessons, they've got to go to school, they've got to go sport. And everyone's, you, know, you become a taxi driver, a cook, a chef, a cleaner and you become everything. And, and, and you, I've heard stories where people say, since we've had children, we haven't had one date together. It's been mar- they've been married for two years. They haven't had a date by themselves. So we need to spend time together. Number five is walk in love. Have the attitude of love, unconditional love. Philippians 2 verse 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility consider others better than yourself. Isn't that good? To consider others better than yourself. That's what true humility is. True humility is I esteem you better than me. I view you better than me. No, no. The other person says, no, but I esteem you better than me. I value you better than me. I value your time, who you are, higher than me. You see, the false humility is I'm gonna, I put uh, you down to put me up. By putting you down, devaluing you, I feel more valued. That's insecurity and comes from the pit of hell. But God says, don't put the person down to try to put yourself up push them up and if the other person's valuing and, put, put, and encouraging them and bringing them up then we're all getting encouraged you know first corinthians chapter 13 love is love is patient love is long-suffering I, I, I love meditating on that scripture and i put god in there god is long-suffering towards me god is patient towards me god is not self-seeking towards me so i i need to i need to meditate the reality of how God treats me because I've got to receive that love. Then I put my name in that. Then I say, I am patient. I am long-suffering. I am not self-seeking because I want to also walk in love. But I have to receive that love before I become that love. So when I see that God treats me that way, I receive that love and then I know how to love other people unconditionally. And it's an eternal thing, isn't it? You know when you're running out of grace, don't you? You should know when you start to get a little bit frustrated with people and starts to irritate you. 
And you get a little, your, your, your patience is wearing thin. So then you should know, I need to get before God. I need to talk with God or I need to talk to that person. I need to work it out. I, I, I usually look to God and say, God, give me grace. Give me extra grace. Give me patience. Because my patience is wearing thin. I know if I'm walking on thin ice because I'm about to snap. So I have to say, God, help me. Give me strength. Give me grace. I have to know where I stand. It's the little things that eventually just eat at you, eat at you, eat at you. Some of us don't know how to deal with it. And we uh, end up blowing the casket because we let it build, don't we? We let it build, we let it build, we let it build, we let it build. And instead of, instead of learning to, to share the little things at the right moment, it's a big key, choosing the right moment. But when we don't know how to share those little things, they end up building up. And then we go, that's right. And I remember what you did. And you did this. And you did this. And you did this. And all of them come back right. And you remember every single thing they ever did wrong. And you blow them up. Because we didn't know how to deal with the little things. It's about love, attitude of love, laying down your life. If you're going to have healthy relationships, number six is build trust. Trust is like air. We only see it when it is polluted. So when trust is polluted, we, then we realize it's gone because it just got polluted. You've got to understand, um, and I think about well, how, what really builds trust in a relationship. If you ask yourself the question, I'm sure you would know many reasons what, but I think some of the, these things, uh, what can break trust would be lying, not keeping your promise. In other words, you say something and you never do it. You, you make a promise, but you never fulfill it. You say you're going to do something, but you never ever do it. Um, so you, you're acting not, your acting doesn't match up to what you said. Don't pro- make promises you won't be able to keep because you're not going to build trust in a relationship. So know what you say that you're going to keep that and you're going to build trust. If you say something, you do it, you're building trust. And also, another thing about trust is you've got to know how, how strong is your trust. So every relationship is different. This is why um, we're talking about it's an art form and we have to know by the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So if I just met you, you don't know me, then our trust will obviously be, it's going to take time to build. But let's say uh, the bridge is like a, trust is like a bridge. So if this bridge is only strong enough to take one ton across the bridge, ton of truth, because that's all they can trust me with. If I try to bring five tons worth of truth to them, the, the bridge won't hold it, will it? So even as though I speak truth, I'm not doing it in love. That's why the Bible says speak the truth in love. I've got to be able to choose. If I say this, even though it's true, if I say this, will this push them away or will this get them to trust me more? Is this going to really destroy them? Just because it's true doesn't mean I should say it. I've got to ascertain, is, is this wrapped up in love? Is love going, if, if I say this, is this really going to help that person and our relationship? You know, because some people, just because it's true, if I carry it across, it'll, it, the, the bridge breaks, trust is broken, they don't receive the truth, and now they don't want nothing to do with me. I've got to know, that's what trust is, I've got to know. But to some people, when I know, like, I've built some relationship with our elders, they all know me, they know I love them. I can bring truth knowing that they know my heart. <laughs> Because we're working together and they know that if I'm going to say something to them, it's not for my benefit. They should know that. It's all for your benefit. <laughs> but you know what I mean. They, and sometimes they allow me to speak into their life because they know I'm saying this out of love. 
But if I said the same thing I say to some of these guys, to some new people, they go, what right have you got to say that to me? Because I don't have a right. I don't have a trust. That's what relationships is about. It's, it's you being wise enough in God. How do I share those things with people? Just because it's true doesn't mean it's going to help people. You speak the truth in love. And so how do you break trust? How do you break trust? We're talking about relationships. The way you break trust is when you go behind someone else's back and talk to other people about them. So, you know, don't go to somebody else and say something that you can't say to that person's face. And again, if someone's hurt you, you're supposed to go to that person anyway, only. Jesus says, go to that person only, not to anybody else. That other person's not going to help you by talking to them about how they let you down. You talk to that person only. But when, if, if we do that to one another, you're breaking the trust. And you know, people have done that with me. And when people do that with me, I, I start walking around like eggshells. I don't know if I can trust that person. Because instead of coming to me to talk to me about it, they're talking to other people about it. So it's, it's true of every relationship. You've got to know how to talk to the actual person that maybe let you down. Because you don't want to break the trust. If you keep doing that to people, you'll sabotage relationships at work as well. So someone uh, you know, hurts you, lets you down, said they were going to do something and they didn't do it at work. You know, they didn't do their part of the, the project. And then they, um, instead of talking to them about it, you talk to someone else about it and how frustrated you are. And that will get back to them. You just destroyed that trust. So to lovingly talk to that person in humility, in encouragement, with redemption that, hey, this is how I feel when you didn't do your part of the job. Don't tell other people about it. All right, so, so we we're talking about building trust. Number seven, honesty builds trust, which in turn allows you to be more honest, depending on how much of that bridge or trust can, they can handle. So when you're honest with someone, being truthful, being honest, it's going to build trust. You want to build that trust, that bridge of trust, and how you do that is honesty. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about speaking the truth in love. I love it. it says, uh, now that you're a new man, put off the old, put on the new. Now that you're a new man, don't lie to one another. And don't lie because we are of the same body. So why would I lie? First of all, why would I lie to myself? So why would I lie to you if you're, and I see you, we're of the same body, the body of Christ. So when we actually see that we're of the one body, you don't need to pretend, you don't have to put on, you don't have to be somebody you're not. Because we love each other and we accept where people are at. Amen? No matter where you're at, doesn't mean you're going to stay there. You're going to grow to become more like Jesus anyway. You're on the journey to become more like Jesus. No matter where you're at, we don't pass judgment. We love and accept people for who they are. Number eight, work through disappointments. How many times have you been disappointed in relationships? Do not, that, do not let that allow you to get disappointed to the point where you, you almost give up on having relationships because you get disappointed. You're going to get disappointed in relationships. People will let you down, not on purpose, but there'll be misunderstandings and, and, and people will hurt you, but you can't say, that's it, I'm not gonna, it's not worth it. I'm not going to invest in relationships because you know, I really believe it's a picture of uh, you know, you know, we, we protect our hearts. So if your heart's been broken, your heart's been hurt, in relationships as well, boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm talking about a romantic relationship. If your heart's been broken, 
It's easy to say, well, that's it. Every time I open up my heart, I give my heart out. They hurt me. You go, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to hold it back. And so we end up protecting ourselves. We actually put walls up. I'm going to protect you. Stay away. No, don't get too close. That's, that's close enough. Last time I opened up, let you into my inner circle, I got hurt. I, I, I let you into my heart where you, you, you hurt me. So we say, no, don't get too close. And guess who, who's in prison? Yeah, that's right. You're, you're in prison because you, you're going to be a lonely, a lonely old man or a lonely old woman if you keep pushing people away. It's actually a big fear when people start hitting uh, old age. What's old age again? Warwick, what's old age? 80 or something? 90? 90 now, yeah. No, it just gets pushed away. Right? But when, when you hit old age somewhere 90 or 100 years old, you... you um, <laughs> Warwick knows what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> we become sort of grumpy, frustrated old people. Because we just don't trust people. Because we've been hurt so many times. So when you are disappointed, work through the disappointment and keep trusting. Keep believing in relationships. God created us for relationships. You, you have to, I don't know how to say it, it's almost like you have to get it right. You have to keep working at it until you get, you'll get better and better and better at having healthy relationships. How many times have I been disappointed? Probably thousands of times. In relationships. In friends. And, and there's also the dynamic, uh, how many friends do you have that went from high school? You're still in contact with your high school friends. So there's a few, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot because life changes. People change. And it's a journey. And a lot of times when you're journeying with God, especially people that are of the kingdom, journeying with God, that if people don't journey with you, then you can't be your best friends of everybody. If you did, you won't continue your pathway with God. Because if I remain best friends with everyone that ever left our church, I wouldn't have a life. wouldn't have a family, wouldn't have a wife, wouldn't have children because I have to maintain best friends of everybody. So there is going to be some dynamics, some realities that those relationships will change as we journey with our relationship with God. Because God comes first. We've got to be loyal to Him first and the call of God on our life. All right. Number nine is having real expectations. Many people go into relationships with wrong expectations. The answer to a wrong expectation is not no expectation. It's real expectation. It's really, really important. This is a really important one because I've no, I notice people, you know, people come to church from another church or come to join the community and, and I want to, and you can see everyone, everyone's got a, a healthy expectation. I want to be close. I want to be friends. I want to make friends. But I know in Sydney, it takes time to build friendship. Real friendship takes some time, especially in Sydney. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying Sydney needs to change the way we do life. Because we, you know, everything else is so more important than relationships. But it shouldn't be like that. But you need to take time to build relationships. But if you think, oh, surely in three months' time, I'm going to be best friends of everybody. But actually, in reality, it'll take three years. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed because you think, man, it's taken three years to get some real, genuine relationships. But actually, that's real expectation. Does that make sense? So it depends on what your expectation is. You come in gun ho yeah, I'm going to be best friends with so-and-so. Same with workplace. You want to be in the in crowd. You want to make friends. You want to get, well, take time to build real relationships. This one is important. I wish I could, I wish I could hone the point in better, but um, all right. Number 10 is forgiveness. I, I want to try to finish this. 
I haven't got the clock up there, so you're good today. So I can just keep going. <laughs> I've got the clock here. It's all right. I'm joking. Um, forgiveness. You know, when you're married for more than um, a couple of hours, you have to learn to forgive. All right? After you've been married for a couple of hours, I think on our honeymoon, we had to forgive one another. You, know, you had to forgive me, and I had to forgive you. And you know how many times we've forgiven each other in 27 years? A lot of times. You have millions of times, Vanessa says. So how many times you've forgiven her, him in two years? Three million. It's just normal to continually forgive because we have expectations. We have disappointments. We have we misunderstandings. A misunderstanding is exactly that. You misunderstand. Didn't mean to misunderstand each other, but we do. So it's important that you have a heart to constantly forgive. And the way I do it is I've got this understanding that God forgave me of a $20 billion debt I could never forgive, be forgiven of. I couldn't work my way into salvation in a billion years. God forgave me for free. So when you hurt me with $20 bills, $20, you offend me with $20, I just forgive you because I got all the money in the world in my bank account. God forgave me everything. So when you hurt me, I forgive. You hurt, I forgive because He forgave me. And He still forgives me. It's, a, it's, a how you, it's your perspective. But if you think you've got a right, that you've got to treat me right. And if they don't treat me right, that's it. I'm not going to forgive them. How dare who they think they are. So if you think like that, you're not going to forgive. You get frustrated. You just become that old, grumpy old man or grumpy old woman. <clears throat> really quick, number 11. This is a really important one. Debe developing the heart of understanding. If we can show that, um, uh, sorry, uh, slide. If there's a slide there, yeah, that's it. I love this one. Developing a heart of understanding. From this point of view, it's a nine. And this guy says, no, it's a six. And as long as you stand on your point of view, you're always going to see six. The other guy's standing on his point of view, and he's never going to change. He's always going to see a nine. They're both right. I've seen arguments like this all the time in marriages, that sometimes you're both right. You're still arguing, but you're both right because you've both seen at different angles, different perspective, because you have different personalities. The heart of understanding is, hang on a sec, I'm going to go under your stands. Of you standing where you're standing, your view is this. I'm going to your pretty much put in your shoes. I'm going to put myself in your shoes. Put yourself in someone else's shoes and see the world through their eyes. That is a heart of humility. That is a heart of grace. I can't explain it any other way, but God can give you this grace if you ask Him for it. Really put yourself in the person's shoes because you know what? They're both right and they're only seeing it through their perspective. But they're going to argue all day long if they're going to stand on their point of view. But if they just stop for a second and go, hang on, let me just see it from your point of view. Let me just see what you're seeing. <gasps> oh, okay, I gotcha. Ah. Now, when I do this, it doesn't mean you're right. It just means I can see from your side. I can see your point of view. I'm still right. I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying? So you, you can actually see someone else's point of view. Even if they are wrong, you just have mercy and grace. Even though, like, I can actually now give them mercy and grace to help them come through if they need to come through. Sometimes they're right and I'm right. Sometimes they're right and I'm wrong. But you can, it gives you grace when you can actually see things through their point of view. There was a guy years and years ago, one, like 20-something years ago in the church, this believer was struggling with sexual sin and all this sort of stuff. And I remember over and over dealing with him, dealing with him, dealing with him, and I think it was pornography and just other things and just problems with girls and, and you know, and almost to the point I think, man, I'm thinking to myself, judgmental, bad attitude, me, thinking, 
You're supposed to be a believer. You shouldn't be going through that. You know, you should be out of that. How come you're doing this? And what, you know, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be and all this sort of stuff in my head. Until he told me when he was 10 years old, his older brother sexually abused him heaps and heaps of time. All of a sudden, I've got a lot of grace. All of a sudden, I realized, no wonder he's going through that. Man, I'd be a mess. I'd probably, I probably wouldn't even be where you are if that happened to me. See, all of a sudden, I put myself in his shoes and realizing, does that make it right for him to have that sin? No. I'm just saying, all of a sudden, I have some compassion and understanding. I've got to help him through that. Now, two, two things. I won't go through them, but 12 is learn the art of communication. God gave you two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. Most people don't do that. If you just listen twice as much than you, than you speak, you'll be surprised how much you can actually listen. And don't listen so that you could, um, a lot of people, we all listen so we could uh, speak. Like, I listen because I, actually I'm, I want to say something. So I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. I'm not even listening anymore. I'm thinking of what I'm saying. But listen to understand. And the last one is, um, oh, no, threading was deal with negative critical thoughts against that person. When I say that, you're going to have stuff that could build up. Deal with that negative critical thought in your own heart. Deal with it because you can actually get rid of that in your heart if you realize you're getting negative frustrated with a particular person deal with it before it blows up I don't know how to explain it but move that line say God I'm, I'm frustrated here give me grace here help me to forgive help me to let go help me to not be frustrated you know and, and whatever you need to do to deal with it deal with it and the last of all one which I love this one is give the other person the benefit of the doubt Christine knows I'm pretty good at that. I am. I, I, I will err on grace. I hate legalism. If I'm going to err somewhere, I'm going to err on grace. If someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to um, believe that some, yeah, I'm just going to believe the best in people. Because I'd rather err on grace. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Chinese whispers is a perfect example. You know, have you ever played Chinese Whispers? If we did Chinese Whispers right now from Giovanni and he told us a story and told Warwick and went on to Jackie and on and on and on and on and on. No matter how accurate, and even if it's a short statement, no matter how accurate it was, by the time it gets to Tony, it's a completely different story. So when I hear something, I know that's not going to be the truth. I've got to, I've got to take that with a grain of salt and realize I'm not going, I'm going to give that person the benefit of the doubt until that person explains to me what happened. Does that make sense? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that your word can really teach us how to have healthy relationships, Lord, every area, from marriage, raising children, from friendships, relationships, from workplaces, the way we do life in every area of our life. Help us, Lord. We should be the ones that uh, be the greatest examples of healthy relationships. The kingdom culture of honor, that we honor one another above ourselves. Father, we pray for healthy, healthy, godly kingdom relationships in the life of our church, but also healthy relationships everywhere we go, in the marketplace where we do life, at work, at home. Lord, in, in, in our friendships, we thank you right now for grace. I pray for healing. Just, I feel God say to me, God, I'm going to heal people's pasts 
of feeling unworthy. Maybe, maybe you've never had a, a deep relationship with your parents. Lord, we pray for healing, self-worth, that we see ourselves valued before the Father. Heal relationships between, between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, mothers and sons and, and fathers and daughters. We pray right now in the name of Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.